I, Doris, shall pick up a few bits from the shops to help a Doris who is struggling to get out. I, I Doris. I, Doris, shall use my voice to amplify the voices of my fellow Dorises. I, I Doris. And I, Doris, shall never vote Conservative. I, Doris! I, Doris. <laughs> Everyone likes that one. Just some Doris. Welcome to the Dorising Podcast. Hello, Doris. Hey, hello, Doris. Hi, Doris. How are you all doing? Couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. Uh, we've got some lovely guests coming on. Ooh. Yay. We've got Charlie Stone. Uh, Charlie Mother Flipping Stone. Charlie Mother Flipping Stone. Then we've got Delilah Black, Ooh. who's also a friend of the Dorises, friend of the Loud Women. Um, and then finally, we have got Stephanie Phillips from Big Journey. <gasps> Very exciting. Genuine yeah. sort of star these days. Yeah. yeah, all the celebs on today. Great. Um, we've got some lovely music as well that each of them has sent in. So that's really exciting. Should we have a listen to some music now? Yeah, let's do that, oh, shall we? Kick it off the right way. Let's listen to a song called The Selfishness of Love by Salad. Shots were shot, would have left you long ago. If 
Lexi's at the door. It's Charlie Stone. Oh, oh, hi, Charlie Stone. Hello. Doris Kaybard's on. We wear them all the time. Yeah, I wear mine to bed. What? <laughs> is this actually started now? It yeah. is actually started oh, okay. now. This is for real. Hello, viewers. <laughs> <laughs> Just so, Charlie, I, I've never met you before. And no. different of me and for our listeners, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do with yourself? Um, I'm Charlie Stone. I'm in all the bands. I'm not in all the bands. I've been in quite a lot of the bands, um, going way, way back to the original Riot Girl days. See, if this was a visual thing, I could show you. I've got a big chart on my wall that, is, that says Charlie fucking Stone. Oh, are we allowed to swear? Yeah. 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 It's encouraged. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it's basically a big, long, one of those... Um, uh, family tree type things, rock, isn't it? Rock family trees, yeah, yeah. yes. Um, but that only goes up until nine years ago, so this, it's actually out of date already. And there's about fifty bands on there. So, Whoa. I mean, I haven't. They're not all bands I was in. They're bands, you know. I'm on each line pretty much, and then there's all the branching out. You know how it goes. Well, give, give us, give us some top highlights from your from your musical CV, then. So I guess. The first band I was in that got any kind of attention was Frantic Spiders. Um, and then I was in, I briefly joined Night Nurse when Charlotte Hatherley left them to join Ash. Oh, actually, that's the wrong way around. Okay, I was in Salad first after <laughs> Frantic Spiders. Um, and, then, and then I was in Night Nurse for a little bit when Charlotte Hatherley joined Ash. And then, um, I mean, I was in lots of... I can't go through them all, can I? Highlights. Gay Dad would be the next highlight. Oh! Um, Gay Dad was the, the one that I did the most sort of exciting big tours and telly and everything with. And then I was in a band called Spy 51 for several years. And then um, I ended up touring with Charlotte Hatherley a little bit. I'm saying, trying to say things the viewers might like, might know, you know, because I've yeah. been I've been in so many bands, but most of them I'll just reel off the names and everyone will go never heard of them. Oh, um, I think I think I, the listeners to a Dorising podcast are a pretty discerning bunch. <laughs> anyway, in, in recent in recent times, in recent times, um, Salad, my band that I was in in the mid '90s, reformed a few years ago. Yeah. So, um, been doing that again, and uh, alongside the last few the last few years, I've played in about twelve bands per year. Um, I've done gigs with about twelve bands every year, but that includes things like the Fallen Women, Joanne, Joanne, the Abba Stripes. Chief Top of the Pops and his minor UK indie celebrity orchestra, Wollstonecraft, the Mistress of Circe, um, MX Tyrants. Um, Are you uh, reading off your own Wikipedia page? <laughs> <laughs> no, those are the ones I'm trying that I can think of off the top of my head. Wow! Wow! And you, you play guitar in all of those bands. So, you, do, do you ever play bass? Oh. Thank you for reminding me, Cassie. Yes, I sometimes have played bass in the past. I used to play bass in a band, a surf band called the Deptford Beach Babes. And then hey, I also I've heard of them. that band. <laughs> well, you, you, 
You you may well have heard of that band, Lucy, yes. given that you were in that band. I was in that band, <laughs> yes. And actual fact, quick story for the viewers. So the Depth of Beach, Beach Face was the, was the first band that I was ever in in my entire life, which I didn't join until my 30s. And that was all entirely down to Charlie fucking Stone. Hey. We had this hey. conversation. Yeah, we had a conversation once outside a pub. And um, uh-huh. I, I'd, you know, had a sherry or two. And, uh, and you were telling me about the fact that there was a trombone player in your band. And I was like, oh, I'm a trombone player. Yeah, yeah. You know, great. And, and you kind of looked at me like, I've just said we have, have a trombone player. And I kind of went, oh, just embarrassed myself. And it was one of the first times I met you as well, I think. <laughs> and you got hold of me about a week later to say that your trombone player had quit. And could I come and play trombone? What I hadn't told you was um, my trombone had been sat in an attic for about 15 years. <laughs> and I had said to you, I can't do this week, but uh, can you, you know, been a couple of months and I viewers I went back to my parents house I got the trombone out of the attic I practiced it solidly and then never told anyone but that's what happened <laughs> I'm intrigued and to I'm know also... what, what happened to that trombonist that um that suddenly disappeared I, I don't even do you know <laughs> because I, I don't I don't even remember us having a trombonist before Lucy now either I literally don't remember that ah there were no trombonists before me that's <laughs> what you have to remember I am the original <laughs> Is uh, it's a very on-brand uh, Dorising musical story, you know. I think, uh, yeah, uh, us all kind of picking up various instruments with uh, various levels of practice and skill and mm-hmm. making a good go of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, like, guitar is my main thing, but I, I, I love playing in bands where I don't know the instrument so well because I think it just makes you very creative. Well, we've... One would hope we're creative all the time. Let's be honest. Okay. Always creative all of the time. But there is something that's quite freeing and kind of interesting about picking up something that you're less skilled in and just seeing what you can do with it. So, yeah, when I joined the Depth of the Beach Babes, I hadn't played bass before. And then and I played bass with the nuns as well for a bit. And then I played keyboard with the nuns. And I remember, the, yeah, I just basically, ah, oh, it's brilliant, right? When I first played keyboard with the nuns, I'd been at a party a few weeks before, lying on the floor listening to Kate Bush and going, when you think about it, the keyboards, the piano is a very simple instrument. And everyone looked at me like, what? And I went, well, well, you just basically, you find the chords with your left hand and sort of play them rhythmically. And then you let your right hand sort of twiddle around the same notes. And, and, and everyone just laughed and said, yes, Charlie, very simple, much like the triangle. And, um, and I was just like, no, I, I know I'm onto something here. And then I joined the nuns, and that was basically how I taught myself to play the nuns' songs. Oh. We can oh. be at the door. Shall we see who's at the door? Let's do that. It's Delilah Black. Delilah. Hello. Oh, great. Hey, nice to great. see great. you. Yeah, and you. Yeah, how is everyone? <laughs> good, good. How Very are you? Well. Yeah, okay. Just um, you know, finish my day job. Good. What is your day job? Can can we ask? I work at a community center, so we just started going back in this week. So it's all like really intense, and there's sanitizing stations everywhere, and you know, you, you know, wearing masks in communal areas, and like all these protocols. So it's just like really full on. But, mm. uh, yeah, but it was okay. It was all right being back. Oh, well, thank you so much for, for joining us tonight. Um, just to introduce everyone, the three ladies called Doris wearing tabards Hello. that say Doris. Hi. We're all we're all Doris. Yeah, Hi, we are. <laughs> and the the non Doris. Well, they're kind of part time, occasional Doris. 
is Charlie Stone. I yeah, I suppose I am a part-time Doris, aren't I? You have Doris before. It. I have Doris. I yeah, yeah I'm Charlie you Stone. You have Doris. <laughs> you have Doris yeah. experience. Yes, in a way, in a way. Uh, Charlie helped us um, with some recording. Charlie produced two of our of our singles, and uh, and bossed us around in the in the studio, which was much we needed. And yes, of course, <laughs> it was great. Who doesn't love being bossed around in a studio? <laughs> uh, so, so what are you up to musically at the moment, Delilah? Gosh, well. Um, there's always something really I'm, I'm never not doing something because I do everything myself so I'm editing um, I, I've just uh, recorded um, a, an acoustic thing um, uh, and it's a fundraiser that I'm doing um, and it's sort of it's a, I was trying to do a protest song but it ended out it ended up not being you know so sort of Ah, fuck everybody it, it turned out to be more kind of really mellow kind of acoustic bluegrassy kind of thing and then um ben paley um you know do you know ben ben it was uh, tom paley's son and tom was like a real yeah. sort of like folk um uh older old gentleman he died a few years ago and he was like a kind of you know hippie folk pioneer not hippie but more like a folk um um, a guy from the 60s and like Bob Dylan kind of um, cited him as one of his influences and things like that. And he like he was a contemporary with uh, Woody Guthrie that, you know, but he lived in London. Um, and I met him some years ago and um, just was like hanging out with him. Very interesting person. And we got to be friends. And then he played on some tracks for me when he passed away. But his son, Ben, his son plays um, fiddle as well as really great player and everything. So he's going to play on this thing that I'm doing. So I'm really excited about that. He's, he just finished recording it and he sent me his parts. So I'm oh, mixing okay. that. I've done a video for it, but it's, um, I'm not in it. It's more just like a kind of a statement, sort of like, you know, showing things that are going on a bit, a bit more sort of political thing. Um, and then what else am I doing? And I'm editing. I've got a video that I've got to edit. I finished shooting it with the other two people that I work with, with um, Buckley and Desiree. So yeah, it's because I'm I do everything. <laughs> I'm never not doing something. If I'm not trying to mix something, I'm editing something, or I'm trying to shoot something, or record something. Fight him, 
I'm mixing for this thing that I'm doing called Routine. I hope to have it out in the beginning of October. So it's coming up fairly quickly. And then I'm trying to finish editing, editing a video. It's like a mashup of two different songs. I'm mashing up like a Kings of Leon track with a Shabba Ranks track. Wow. <laughs> that is an interesting combination of things. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a very, very tricky balance, very fine balance, but especially considering, you know, Shabba Ranks track record and, you know, the things that he's said and then, you know, and then the Kings are all like all guy, you know, male rock, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a tricky balance, but yeah, I'm, I'm mashing those two together. And I've just done a, a video to it similar to the, the one I did for You're So Common, the, the lockdown video. So I'm like get, trying to get that together as well. So yeah, it's pretty full on with Amazing. that and the day job. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> you're one I of these no impressive people who've just got creativity that has not been blocked by all the nonsense that's been going on in the back. I have no life. I mean, you know, I've got no life. I've died. I don't socialize. I've got no friends. I'm one of those weird people who's in my room all the time. This is it. This is, this is my life. This is it. Oh. You played recently the Decolonize Fest online. Yeah. Um, that was my first time doing a, um, an official sort of lockdown event, you know, thing, a, a festival. And um, yeah, they were just really fantastic. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed, you know, with how, how everything went. I mean, the communication was great. All the people involved were really great as well. The other bands were very supportive. Everyone was promoting it. And it was just like a, a very good uh, vibe uh, all the way around. It was a really good experience. Um, very different from live. Um, and I, I don't know, I'm starting to think like, oh, I'm getting into this, uh, this lockdown <laughs> thing, you know? There's no, there isn't the, the hassle of traveling and, you know, carting your gear around and all the other things that go along, well, all of that stuff. I mean, it wasn't too bad an experience at all. Um, um, the, the problem that I had is like um, afterwards, because I'm doing a day job as well, it's just the balancing of my time, you know, that was really difficult. But all in all, it was a very positive experience. And I think then the other bands that were on were fantastic. And I thought, oh, you know, um, if nothing else, I mean, it's, it's terrible, the whole um, COVID thing. But the other thing I thought as well is that I don't think I would have the, the chance to have the experience of playing alongside these other people or you know, even like meeting them or, you know, virtually meeting them or anything like that. I, I don't think that these opportunities would have come up had it not and, been such a severe e experience, you know. And how was it as a performer, you know, because like when you're performing, the connection with the audience really feels like a big part of it, of, you know, the feel. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. That part's weird. That's weird because, yeah, you're, well, in our case, we had... Um, uh, I use a, a sound. Oh, I think you know the sound guy that I use, Charles Wong. You know oh Charles yeah. Wong? yeah, yeah, yeah. Charles yeah, does yeah. the the yeah. sound at, at Lab Women Gigs at Hope and I. Yeah, think. yeah, yeah. So I asked Charles Wong to come in to do the sound, and he's really fantastic. Um, so he was there. So he was like the audience. But um, other than that, it, it's yeah, it's a very it's an odd experience, and. Um, 
yeah, you've got to use your imagination a lot, I think, you know, I mean, I've just like, I don't know who I'm shouting to. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Thank you, no one in particular. <laughs> so that's very odd. But yeah, that's strange. That's something to get used to. There's no, there's no chemistry. There's no feedback. There's no dialogue. There's no, you know, so that's, yeah, that part's hard. Charlie, you've been doing some, some online um, yeah, concepts, I was, I was just thinking as I as I just say that it's like when I've done some like Facebook Live performances, and it's so strange when you just kind of you 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 you're singing. You can see yourself on the screen, and you can hear your voice in the room rather than out there, and you've got no feedback at all from anyone else. And I found it the first few times I did it, it was so scary. It was like, I don't get nervous on stage usually, I haven't for years, but I, I, had, I had the kind of adrenaline shakes of like, I, I just, it's, it's a whole new kind of set of nerves to learn to overcome. And I, I find it really enjoyable, but it's so different to doing a normal gig. It is, it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a strange feeling because you, you, you're not quite sure how to behave. And like mm -hmm. usually at a gig there's, you know, there'll be somebody there who says something and then you sort of have a little back and forth or something, you know, but yeah, it, it's a, it's a weird experience. Yeah. I would, I wouldn't mind, I'll try it again. I would do it again. Um, I've learned a bit from, from doing that. So I would do it again, maybe get like a couple more people to, I don't know, help with lighting or something like that. But yeah. Have you always been solo? Have you been in, have you been in bands? music wasn't something I intended to do I kind of ended up doing it I was doing fashion and like art and you know that sort of thing very kind of floaty bohemian kind of stuff FIT I went to fashion school and then I was um I had like a job on 7th Avenue in New York and I was just like doing fashion-y stuff and then I started like doing my own sort of thing and then you know, I was like making jewelry and things and just like hanging out really. And then I kind of got more and more involved with, um, with music people or people that were sort of linked to music or where they were like more, more involved with music than I was, you know. And then, um, so I, I ended up doing it and then, um, but I was still, you know, I was still doing my fashion-y thing. Um, and then I, I started going for, for like, uh, people who were looking for people to work on projects, you know, like a singer looking for a producer looking for whatever, and just like answering ads. Um, and then, um, and I wasn't like, well, I was like terrible. I think I was too weird as well, because I wasn't really, I wasn't really what they were looking for, but I liked going and doing these things. I liked going on these auditions and I liked doing all that stuff and I was meeting interesting people while I was doing it um, so I ended up meeting some people who I did do some musical projects with and then uh, I'd always liked music and I'd always sort of I was always writing but not really with any plan to do anything with it I just like enjoyed writing and I like the arts so anything anything expressive or visual I mean my family's like my dad as well used to sort of get up and read poetry you know, in the middle of watching some cartoons or something, he'd bring out a book and start reciting, I shot an arrow into the air. <laughs> so that, all that was already there. Um, so I was kind of into it. Um, and then I think I, you know, eventually as time went on, I'm, I'm, I met up with this guy 
um, who uh, a guitarist who and we sort of got together and started writing and then we uh, started playing in a band together and eventually you know different versions of it happened it, it ended up being um, a band called Drill Queen that ended up being a kind of like a sort of cult we had like a cult following and then like gamers, um, this guy online, Jim Sterling, I think his name is, and he's got like this gaming review show. He's like a gamer guru. He used uh, um, the single that we had on his uh, on his show, his his YouTube channel, oh, and uh-huh. so it became a kind of gaming anthem or something. And then this guy in Australia, this wrestler in Australia, used it to go into the ring you know <laughs> into the ring oh wow that's so cool yeah it was it was very random interesting how this did how it all came together and then um but people just thought like sort of got into it and then um Ricky Gervais played it once on his his show Ricky Gervais used to have a, a radio show on XFM years ago right. so he played it on that and then people had heard it on that and they were still like sending comments like I heard this on Ricky I don't know I mean that was like ages ago that they had heard it and then I would get like a link of some guy in his bedroom like dancing and bouncing around and and so it it kind of took a life of its own and then this guy made a cartoon so he was like he he had like a, 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 a he I mean I think he's he's not I think he's fairly successful now um, this guy called Mario yeah actually I think he's doing quite well and he's got like his graphics that he does his cartoon and then he did this character based on the you know the drill queen singer character which which was me so it all started taking on all these different lives and then recently a guy called Fenna somebody sent me a link of a th- something called Fenna and he's doing these monster graphics they, I mean they, they are really good very professional like really really good and he's developed this character and she's like I don't know I don't know if it's a man or a woman sort of a cross in between but like this sort of monster character and that's the monster's theme song and he's done like a whole video of this monster singing the song from it so it's just hey. sort of got its own life and I'm like okay well that's great you know? that's amazing I, I was born depressed and uh, I end up in one big mess and trip around it trip around it I was born jaded I lift one finger up to display it and trip around it trip around it trip around it trip around it
the, the most successful, you know, a band project that I've been in. And then all the other things uh, after that, I just started doing my own thing as just myself, Delilah Black. And, and it's, so it's been a year since I've just been doing my own thing. I started working with Buckley and we were doing um, open mics around London. And then from the open mics, we got a, a couple of gigs, just some, we got some acoustic gigs and then we got an electric one. Um, and I was really looking forward to doing like part acoustic and part electric because I'm doing like a kind of punk Americana type thing. So I like, I mean, I, we were doing folk clubs as well. I like doing the folk clubs. I like doing the traditional stuff as well, but I still kind of missed going and just doing the whole raging, like, you know. Yay. So I thought, well, maybe I'll try and do, you know, try and do both of those and see if we could do both. So, yeah, so we've been doing it about a year. And then lockdown, lockdown happened. This would have been like our first complete year of me doing something. Oh. Shall we see who's at the door? I think we should. Avon. <laughs> <laughs> this it is might be a package. It might just oh. be I know. It's a ghost at the door. Someone just knocking on the doorbell and running off. What's that, what's that called? Knockdown ginger. Knock down ginger. Well, like not ginger, we used to say in Exeter. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, no, I can see Stephanie Phillips. Oh. oh hi. Hello. Hi. Hey. How are you? How are you? Uh, good, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for joining us. Um, what, what are you up to at the moment, Stephanie? Um, I, I guess just kind of general, um, kind of, and finishing things up with Decolonise and then trying to start up for next year and um, also doing some writing with Big Joni as we're kind of getting ready to do our second album and stuff like that and um, yeah and also just trying to do general work so yeah always busy. So your your first album um, Sisters did you did you put that out yourselves or, or did you put that out with a label? Uh, we put that with a label, um, so we bumped into, we kind of recorded it ourselves first with just like the money we saved up from gigs and then we're kind of shopping it around to labels, um, but uh, I, people either had no money or weren't sure what to do with us or, you know, it seemed like a strange concept, I think Big Journey did. Um, and then we bumped into Thurston Moore and his partner Ava Prince at a gig and they um, agreed to put it out like immediately so we released with them um, in 2018 and yeah it was a, a really like great kind of random happening but it's worked out really well for us. A, a, a really odd coincidence I was actually standing next to Thurston Moore at that the it was the X wasn't it you, you supported yeah, yeah and I was standing there going that's Thurston Moore I think that's Thurston Moore no it can't be it looks, certainly looks like Thurston yeah. Moore and then a few weeks later I, I heard that Thurston Moore is working with Big Joni I was like whoa I, I saw that magic happen yeah you were there <laughs> music history <laughs> um I hear here today you've got some um, exciting tour news as well yeah yeah so we're going to be playing um next may um some support slots with idols um in the uk um Ooh. so yeah that should be really interesting and like um they're playing with loads of amazing bands like kate Lebon and jenny beth and shopping as well and like loads of others um for quite a few dates so 
yeah, we've never really played those types of venues, so it should be really interesting and like a different crowd. I feel like they'll, I hope they'll, they'll like us. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Sure yeah. they, you've had some amazing support slots um, in, yeah. in the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we, we saw you at Bikini Kill. Yeah. Um, uh, what else? Did you, you did Slay Zucchini as well? Yeah, yeah, we did Slay Zucchini and um, we did a, a Europe tour with the Gossip as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's just, I guess, like, luckily having the album out um, and, you know, kind of having Ava and Thurston's help, it's kind of really pushed us in the direction of those bands that we kind of um, were really inspired by, really. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there would be no big journey without all of those bands. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so yeah, we just kind of managed to get on their, on their radar. Um, and it's just been, yeah, really, uh, so appreciative for everyone that's kind of given us a, a chance and let us um, play play with them and you know hang out with them and um, see their audience because yeah it's really kind of helped us get where we where we want to go and and just to generally kind of be part of that moment to kind of be just in the same room as like the bikini kill reunion was just like amazing anyway we all had tickets anyway because we, we weren't sure. Did you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so it yeah. kind of felt like you know when all the obviously the pandemic stuff happened you guys were really kind of in the middle of being on a roll so has it been quite strange to have to sort of pause things or um well I think yeah in a way it has been strange but also it, I think maybe for maybe some musicians will find the same that because there was so much going on now that everything's paused, it's given us a chance to actually kind of focus on what we need to do. And that was to kind of, you know, get back to finishing writing and to kind of actually have something to follow up for the first album. So it has made us a bit more focused. Um, but yeah, we were mostly touring, but then I guess we'd kind of come to the end of our, um, tour for sisters it was a shame though because we did book some really amazing festival dates we wish we could have done them um but you know pandemics are pandemics so <laughs> you can't mess with them oh i'm so excited to hear about the second um second album is is that with thurston's label yeah yeah, yeah. same label so yeah we're well yeah we're enjoying working together and i think it's going to be i mean it feels fun kind of getting everything together at the moment it just feels a bit like we've got a lot of ideas <laughs> so we just need to narrow it down into into album formats <laughs> there's only so many songs you can have I think what's what's a good number of, of songs to go on an album Charlie Stone you're, you're the <laughs> arbiter of such things <laughs> well a good number would be 10 or 12 however now I was interested to hear Steph saying about um, the pause brought on by pandemic and everything and focus and everything. I See, I, I found it was useful for me in the sense that I was already thinking I wanted to do a solo album and then kind of like everything stopped and all my tours and gigs got stopped and it was like, oh, okay, so I've got all these songs that I'm going to make an album from. I'll start and think about that and I thought, hmm, well, I've got 10, but I'll do the best 10. Maybe I should write 100 more to pick some more. So I didn't actually write 100 more, I wrote 55 more 
I don't mean I literally wrote 55 whole songs. I had 55 song ideas in various stages. Whoa. And wow. um, I've now narrowed, narrowed it all down to 33 and now I'm stuck. <laughs> That's pretty cool there. <laughs> Yeah, and what has been good is because because of like the whole you know the whole kind of that there was that weird kind of peace at the beginning of lockdown because everyone was home and everything was quiet in the evening and mm. and it really changed how I wrote and I've all, all these songs the, the fifty five ideas that I got down during lockdown they've got so much space to them and they're they're very acoustic some of them have got just a clean guitar on a couple of vocals maybe and lots of reverb and. It's a whole different sound to, to anything that I've written before. But the thing is, because of that, I've kind of dismissed all the songs I wrote before because they don't fit the same kind of feel. And and even so, I've I've got like 33 that I think I don't I don't know which I don't know which 10 to pick from this. Oh, that's hard. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's, that's several that's several albums then, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I agree. <laughs> Today, I need someone to say it's fine for me to lay down in a deep. I'm quite dehydrated today.
Your, your solo project is is still ongoing yeah i mean it's it's just the thing where you, you know it it takes a lot of energy to focus on big journey stuff so i always have it, you know there's never enough time to do the solo project but it is something that i want to keep doing and you know like charlie i have like song ideas and um you know scribbles that i've had for kind of a few years now um, and it would be good to kind of fully realise them. I think I just need to kind of set a deadline and set a number of songs and then just go to a studio and, you know, kind of make it happen. Thank you. 
had you done anything before Big Journey? Or was Big Journey your first first band? Because you, you did first timers, didn't you? Yeah, um, but that I was in a band before that um, uh, called My Therapist Says Hot Damn, and that was like a feminist punk. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah with Cecilia. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was doing that for like two or three years, and then you know, I guess like. I wanted to try, I'd been writing songs, but they didn't really fit for um, my therapist. And I wasn't the singer or the songwriter at that band. And um, and I wanted to be more involved in understanding or finding other um, punks of color and other black punks. And I, it just felt like I, I shouldn't be the only one. <laughs> it didn't really make any sense to me. Um, um, so yeah, that, that was why we wanted to start Big Journey. And, we were all kind of, I was I was new to singing, I'd never sung before. Um, Shadina had never played drums before and Kira, our, our original bassist, had never played bass before. So um, we're all kind of just figuring out and just kind of trying to find a space um, to to just kind of be a bit a bit more free, I think, is, is what the original aim was, Big Journey was. To, was. And then we kind of just kept, kept going because it was just really fun to keep, um, surprising ourselves with creativity I think. So how long has Big Journey been going now? Since Four 2013 years? so. Um, oh, that long now. Yeah I mean like I, I guess I think the thing is like a lot of bands expect to be massive within like two years but um, I think we were just very kind of well we took our time well not necessarily because the, the songs that we played on our first gig are on our debut album so there's not much that's necessarily changed that much about our sound but I think it is just you know we just kept working kept playing and kept meeting new people and you know um just you know what you do in the DOI scene um which is kind of just you know hang out and see new people and kind of play new gigs but I, I think it does kind of take you know a while for those who aren't like the standard like white cis male bands you know um, to actually kind of break through or break out of any particular scene because people still think that only men listen to folk music and then only men want to see other men on stage, you know, and that kind of thing is still kind of really prominent in the music industry. So, um, but well, yeah, yeah, we just you keep everyone keeps going. Did you used to put your own events on, Stephanie? Did you say you were putting on bands and things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, didn't, I mean, I guess that's how I got started in the punk scene. I was um, involved in like a Lady Fest, which is like um, a festival kind of like promoting um, and celebrating women and female fronted bands. And that was like in 2010. That's when I first got, uh, came into the London punk scene. And then um, me and Sophie, my first band, started running like a gig night in a club night. And we put on bands and then DJ after and stuff like that. So. Um, had you, did you find that you had to do that or was that something you wanted to do or did you do that as a response to what the scene was like so you had to like make up your own thing because you know it was the, was the scene closed off to you or was that something that you intended to do anyway I don't think that I don't think the punk scene was closed off to me because I think the punk scene when I joined it was like um very heavily dominated very heavily female dominated from what I can remember the DIY punk scene being, but it was 
still majority white and like I would see maybe me and Rachel Adds at one show and that would be it and, um, and it wasn't really something that was ever talked about no one really discussed it no one really wanted to do anything about it so I mean while I put those shows on that wasn't really um, helping that what kind of made me want to kind of make more of a stand was kind of starting Big Journey um, and that was kind of my this is actually creating a space for me. The punk scene was already kind of, to me, a, a, quite a, an okay space for white women. I mean, I, I can't speak for white women, obviously, but it felt like it was fine for, or, you know, people could create their own bands and do, do their own thing. And it felt okay in that sense, but there wasn't really, um, there wasn't really much for, for black women to back in, that was in like 2010, 2000. 2012 around then and do you feel it's it's got at all better <laughs> since then I mean yeah of course because but that's because you know because of things like I mean just general kind of ch- change in the way that we conceive music the change in our attitude to kind of like taking control of things so kind of Black Lives Matter is kind of so much more prominent in that aspect so people do want to take that control in every aspect of their lives and kind of want to kind of be more open about the things they love and kind of being able to go in the spaces they want to go in. So I think, you know, people of colour have made more of a stand in kind of asking for more and kind of not really wanting to settle for um, no, really, and that there's, you know, there was, you know, the pretense that there's no reason why, you know, this show is all white or there's no reason why or the bands are all white or da 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 or whatever happens um and I think people are quite interested in creating their own spaces and creating their own bands so it feels like there's been quite a lot more um bands that have come out um to me in the last um I'd say definitely in the last five years it's kind of changed completely and so from when I was like first died in 2010 I mean it's completely different and I think it's really amazing. I think I feel like people that are kind of just coming to the punk scene now wouldn't, wouldn't believe like how <laughs> like completely different it was like, mm. you know, only 10 years ago. I mean, if you just think about how society in general thinks about um, the context of, you know, racism and kind of dealing with those issues in a, a bit more kind of upfront way, I think that has changed. Um, and I think that has um, positively influenced everyone in the punk scene, I'd say. Um, and it, yeah, it just feels like people are a bit more aware of kind of trying to do better and wanting to create a scene that's kind of beneficial for everyone. Because if you have, you know, if you allow space for everyone to grow, then there's going to be a kind of more diverse crowd. There's going to be kind of all these kind of new people springing up. And then you'll get new talents and get kind of like new life into the punk scene. So it's better. Like, yeah, it's always better. So oh. do you have any hot tips of new bands that Dorising podcast listeners should check out? Uh, new bands. Well, I guess who have we had it uh, decolonized? I feel like I have such a bad memory. So <laughs> the only problem... <laughs> I can't think of things, but um, I mean, obviously, you know, Delilah Black is on here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we had um, a, a really cool act, um, Princess, who's like a um, DJ kind of like um, like 
punk and indie kind of, but also um, an MC. And they played um, Decolonize. Um, uh, there was. Um, Did you have Screaming Toenail? Oh, yeah, uh, I don't think we, they didn't play this year, um, oh. Jacob did at a workshop, um, but yeah, they've had an album out this year, which is really cool. Um, there's also No Home, who you've probably put on before. Um, I don't think I have actually, no. Okay. Um, I don't know them. They're like, uh, um, name's Charlie, and they're like experimental rock, and they had an album out this year as well, which is really, really cool, it's like kind of space spacey um concept album space like, rock yeah almost, yeah <laughs> That's know, good. But, doris is taking um, notes there on the side I think. Yeah, but yeah no home they really have me at space well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or i see it as spacey i don't know <laughs> oh we have a, we have a question from the floor <laughs> question i just realized that um earlier um i referred to stephanie as steph and I, you might not ever be called Steph. Oh no, that's that fine, don't worry. Oh, okay, yeah. good. Yeah. I, th- I, I thought it was, but I didn't know where I knew it from. And I suddenly went, oh God, have I done that awful thing where I've abbreviated someone's name? And they go, fucking hell, I hate it when people call me that. So anyway, fine. <laughs> right, you can edit that out, that's fine. <laughs> I was very amused, Charlie, by your thread on on Twitter about acceptable pseudonyms for Charlie. <laughs> you you detailed yes. the the uh, the pseudonyms. So it's never never Charles, but Charles is acceptable. And Charles, I, I didn't I didn't say never Charles, but I've never heard anyone say Charles. Who's going to say? Who uh, says Charles? <laughs> See, you know, one person did say Charles once, and it was cool. Um, God, who used to do who used to do property ladder? What was she called? Beanie, Sarah Beanie. I oh, was yeah. on a, ch- a chat a chat with her, an internet chat back in the early days of internet chat when it was really exciting. You can log on and send your questions to Sarah Beanie from Property Ladder. And I was the last one that got answered. And I said, Do you think they should rename it Beanie Knows Best? Because we do. And she said, and she typed back, good idea, Charl. And I was oh. on the one hand pleased that she answered, but also like, it's not Charles, it's Charlie. <laughs> Probably a mistake. Probably, Probably was, but you know, there was no apology. So <laughs> I would have apologised personally afterwards. I'd have said, I'm ber- ber- terribly sorry, viewers, but I've just done a typo accidentally. I did actually intend to put a Y at the end of there. I hope no offence was caused. That's just me. <laughs> Trump with a really long name. Well, I mean, not not like a hugely long name, but a, on the longer end of names, and um, and everybody abbreviates it, like everybody, because there's a really obvious abbreviation. Um, and she absolutely hates it. She hates it her entire life, and everyone's done it to her entire life. And she's too polite to tell people otherwise, oh, so she just no. goes along with it. And I feel that's quite sad. Yeah, I I I won't be called Cass. Uh, I mean, there's one person who got away with that. Was my my grandmother was allowed to call me Cass, and uh, she's no longer with us. So no one gets to call me Cass. (laughs) (laughs) Cassie, Cassandra, Doris, or Mummy. (laughs) I I do sometimes get men in this. Well, not in the street. Men sometimes say. Charlie, is that short for Charlotte? And I just go, no. 
And that's that. (laughs) (laughs) Names are important. Very important. Mm -hmm. Just some. Doris gig was was playing with with Big Joni, um, which kind of meant a lot to us. I, I think kind of one day we we might you know you might be playing in a in a big stadium somewhere and we'll be like yeah yeah, yeah we we played with them kind of you know, years ago we played with them in, in a pub. <laughs> yeah, I remember that was that in um, the north the chalk was it in chalk farm? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Fiddler's Elbow. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that gig where we we um, we had to cover um, 
songs that were uh, kind of written by my men and were kind of reclaiming yeah. songs which kind of you you kind of loved, but in in retrospect, you kind of listen to the lyrics and you think, yeah. oh God, that's just awful sexist <laughs> nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, actually. That, yeah, yeah. We had to do. We did um, some Phil Spector songs, which are obviously like. Oh, um, which ones? Um, I think we Remind did um, um, Be My Baby um, and He's the Rebel. Yeah, I think we did those two, um, which were like really amazing songs, but obviously Phil Spector's a terrible human being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it was in like specifically, he was like, those songs were good because he was a terrible human being, which is like the, the moral quandary of that, you know, the whole Spectre vibe of just he he forced all those women and could have lied to them and told them he'd make them famous and then use them and you know it was kind of really gross um what he did um but yeah so it's kind of um trying to (laughs) reconcile his reality the reality of who he is with the songs that he made have, have you played those songs since? Or no, no, just, no. Just for that one about? Was, they were just, just for that one. Because I guess, like, it's hard to... Um, it, they're really nice to, to play, and like, but better to listen to. It's better to just listen to um, Be My Baby, really. Um, so I think we only kind of do covers if it's something that we can um, mould into our style or kind of, like, change it up a bit like when we first tried to do Solange I think we were doing it a bit too kind of rigidly to the original and it was kind of like it didn't really make any sense um for us to do it like that so it took us a while to kind of figure out we should just do it you know in our own style.
love that. I, really I really, heavy. especially love that guitar that comes in at the beginning and then later on everything drops out and you hear it again. That, that like early Cocteau Twins kind of spooky guitar. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun working on that. Um, we worked with um, Margot Broom, who did the uh, production ask. for our um, first album. So, yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> what does Solange think of that? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she's heard. We only know that she liked a tweet that was oh, um, about us covering it. So I guess she knows that we exist and that it's happened. But I I would take that as an endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> is is that a, a kind of taster of the sound of the of the second album? Do you think? Um, I mean, I guess in a way, I think that we really enjoyed kind of making um, the sound quite big and um, quite epic, and kind of drawing in those kind of different different influences, maybe that people don't really realise that we have in terms of kind of like that quite grungy, maybe kind of almost stoner rock type um, or, you know, desert rock type vibe. So, yeah, I feel like I, there might be things that yeah, people wouldn't expect from us, but um, we're still kind of like figuring it all out. It could all sound like that. It could sound completely different. I won't give everything away. <laughs> <laughs> quite right. <laughs> when, when do you get to find out what it sounds like? Well, um, we're, we want to start recording hopefully before the end of this year. So, um, I mean, fingers crossed, maybe kind of um, autumn next year, we can get it out to people and um, can let us know what you think. <laughs> so, Charlie, have you got uh, any exciting news coming up? Any, any well, plans? Charlie, Charlie's going to release three double LPs. <laughs> I have to whittle down my 33 songs to either whittle that down to one album or, as Doris just pointed out, um, make a triple album. It's called End Times, I know that, and I've got the cover for it. Um, the cover is one of my drawings I did at, at, right at the beginning of lockdown. I started doing drawings um, having never done any art at all since I was at school, I suddenly got really into drawing at the end of last year. And so I do, I'm doing that a lot too. I'm doing, I'm, I've basically decided I am an artist. No, really I am. And I'm, I'm doing that. And I'm also supposed to be, but I have to say I haven't got very far with this. I'm supposed, I'm trying, I keep trying to write a book. I'm just not very good at focus at the moment. I've just, but I started because I was, I've been, well, I've been trying off and on for years to do a kind of memoir kind of book, but I was trying to make it a little bit different. And I kept trying lots of different ways. And then recently I found myself on a Cocteau Twins forum getting really fed up with everyone on there. And, um, and because they were all so like, oh, it's so boring. It was like, this is my favorite Cocteau Twins song. What's yours? Oh, uh, Liz Fraser has got the voice of an angel. Do you agree? So I basically, <laughs> really long essay where I went into character as a middle-aged man who was once in the Cocteau Twins um, um, and used to like, play behind the scenes. I was too scared to be on stage. And I, and I, it was so elaborate and I had a whole voice for it. And it was, it was, it was, it remains the funniest thing I've ever written. I was literally, 
I'm going to big myself up. Every time I read it, every, I've, I would just laugh every other sentence. I was like, this is definitely good. I'm going to put it on the internet. So I put it on the internet thinking they would find it hilarious. I had also really made sure that I put enough things in that were definitely not true that Cocteau Twins fans would know, even if they couldn't tell from my tone that I was joking. And then I was quite shocked because to begin with, it was loads of people going, oh my God, this is so amazing to hear. Thank you for sharing your story. This insight is just so... And I felt really guilty. And, I was like, oh, no. and, then, and then it was the backlash and there was really angry people going, you were not in the Cocteau Twins. Simon Rainbond was not in the Cocteau Twins on the date you signed. And I was like, I know that was why I signed the date. But anyway, um, and... Um, but anyway, it was, it was, then I thought, so anyway, this has basically become, this is now I know how to do my memoir. It's going to be a mixture of stories of bands I've been in and stories of bands I've been in. <laughs> That's brilliant. I want to read it. I want to read it now. <laughs> my lips are the one I'm doing at the moment, which I haven't got that far with it, is I'm in U2. And you developed their sound because I lent Edge my delay pedal because he's got terrible timekeeping. And, um, and basically, then they've decided that they don't really have much room for my lead guitar in, in the band. And I've been sod it. I'm going to just leave them and become a tour manager anyway. And I'm not really bitter about it, you know. It's like water under the bridge. <laughs> I mean, this I'm willing this to be true, happen. even though I know it's not. Yeah, just take my money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. Right. Oh, yeah. If someone can just give me some, like, a, a lifetime supply of pseudoephedrine so I can actually focus long enough to actually do all this stuff. No, no, no. Just, no, just keep going as you are. It's brilliant. You're, you're doing Keep fine. Going. You've written 33 songs in, in the... I haven't finished 33 songs. This is the thing. I'm always full of ideas and I start stuff and I get distracted and it's just no, don't do my head in. Huh? Don't do like a full song. Just do like a bit of this, you know, like 30 seconds of that. Then it goes into something else and it's 30 seconds. Of... I like your thinking. And in fact, I... That is, I'm not going to, I have decided I'm keeping them all short. I'm with you yeah. on that. But, the, but I do need to actually record them properly and finish some of the lyrics because a lot of them just go, oh, there's a really good verse. And then I'm going, something, something, I'll, I'll figure this out in a minute. And, and, yeah. I would listen to that. <laughs> I would listen to that too. Okay, well, maybe, maybe I'll just do it like that then. I've still got to record it, but at least we've narrowed it down. I can just, or we can just splurge it out. Get it out. Not you, you know. can make a song about it though. Oh, do you know what I did do? Making yep. I, I what I as part of part of the whole thing, and this all stemmed from one of the ridiculous things on this Facebook group was somebody had argued with my friend about what the lyrics to Musette and Drums were, and got very very adamant that it was actually about Romeo and Juliet. And, and, and my friend was like, well, how, what do you mean it's about Romeo? Have you spoken to Liz Fraser? I've done my research. You should do your research was the answer. So I did my research, which was to listen to the song again and work out, you know, just transcribe exactly what I heard. And what I heard was something about a duck and some Julian chocolates <laughs> and um, various 
things. So I basically rewrote the lyrics. Well, I wrote, no, I didn't re I wrote the lyrics as they are, having done my research. And this all got worked into the story about, you know, it was basically a, a song that I'd written when I was in the Cocteau Twins, well, I'd written the music. And then Liz came up with all this stuff based on stuff we were talking about in the studio, including the fact that Robin had had a disaster with some henna and stuff like that. And, um, and I recorded on my little recording Walkman, a little idea for song. And I just sort of played a few of the chords. And then it's basically gonna go like this. And it was just all, I mean, I thought even after when they'd got through the whole essay, they still hadn't twigged it was a joke. They would then hear my, my little dictaphone recording of me going idea for song. And they might realise that Musette and Drums isn't actually about Julian Chocolates and Liz Fraser thinking that I'm a genius, like me, Charlie. So. That is brilliant. That's, <laughs> have you ever heard of something, some YouTube woman called Miranda Sings? Do you all know Miranda Sings? No. Yeah. She did something like that that started out as a joke because she couldn't. She couldn't get, um, so I think she was an actress or something, doing musical theatre, and she couldn't get any parts or something like that. So she just started this YouTube thing as this character, Miranda, who's just really terrible, but thinks she's great. And she's an actress, she's a singer, she's a model, she's a juggler, she's a musician, she's a blogger, she's an influence, you know, she does like all of these things. And then people started, you know, in on her about this is shit, this is terrible. And then she started you know, just saying, haters, back off, you know, you're all jealous of my talent sort of thing. <laughs> The whole time and people were taking it seriously now, now she's been going a few years now so now it's like a sort of comedy YouTube thing but it didn't start out that way and the people who got it all became her fans they called her they called themselves Merfandas oh <laughs> right and she's making a living from it now but at the beginning it was absolutely hilarious because they were just ripping into her and then she would just like come on there and say well that's just rude I'm gonna I'll pray for you that's just <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, th I think we're all going to go and look this up later now. Oh, this is amazing. Yeah, but, definitely. Yeah, no, I, I loved everything I just heard. I would watch I would watch it. I would read it. I would, like, listen <laughs> to the songs. That's just brilliant. I, I love the backlash. I think I'm a troll at heart. <laughs> <laughs> right, so that's what Charlie's up to. <laughs> what about you, Delilah? Um, I'm going to... Um, finish mixing um, this song that I'm working on that's going to be a fundraiser um, raising money to uh, help get protesters out of jail in, in America um, and that's the, um, the uh, acoustic thing that I was uh, telling you about earlier mm -hmm. and, and um, so I'm uh, mixing that and hope to have that ready at the beginning of October and um, I'm doing, uh, I don't know if you all know Reese Palmer. She's doing like a show on Apple. So I'm going to do like a spot on her. She's a country, uh, country music singer. Oh, okay. I'm going to do yeah, a spot on that and then uh, finish editing up that um, mashup video I was saying about with the Kings of Leon and Shabba Ranks mashup. So, yeah. So I hope to have that like maybe the second of, or end of October, maybe. So. I really want to see trying to raise money, pushing band camp and all that and trying to like, you know, get some money together so I can master all of these demos. They're all demos that I've got. So I'm trying to raise money to get mastered. So, uh, so Steph, what's what's next for for you? 
Um, well, um, like I said, we're Big Journey are working on our second album where we're kind of um, writing uh, with our right now and trying to kind of get all our songs together and that's happening. Um, I'm trying to work on solo stuff, but um, that'll come a bit later, maybe in a couple of months or something, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Um, and I'm also um, working on uh, a book that should be out next next May, I think, next May or June, um, which is also about Solange Knowles um, and is uh, out on U University of Texas Press. Actually, it's called Why Solange Matters, and it's kind of looking at why, um, well, what, yeah, why she matters, why she's kind of such an interesting artist and important to the times. Cool. How exciting. <laughs> Thank you forever. so much for all coming. Oh, thank you so much me. after yes. your working days. To I haven't got a working day. I haven't. I've just been <laughs> sat in the park being a complete layabout. You can do the podcast every week then if you've got nothing else to do. Yeah. <laughs> Pick a tabard on and come and join in. <laughs> <laughs>
me.